Proclaim the greatness of the Lord and worship him upon his holy hill, for the Lord our God is the Holy One. Amen. The transfiguration. You know, barring the resurrection itself, it may be the, the single most stunning event in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Peter, John, and James, they find themselves uneasy, confused in the presence of the transmogrified Christ. In their time, in their day, sudden bursts of light, they were reserved for falling stars, wildfires, controlled emulations. But today, today you're, you'd be equally confused. You, you're more likely to associate sudden bursts of light with, I don't know, the final scene of an Avengers superhero movie. Or, or... Or something perhaps, something more tragic. Think, think Chernobyl. Think, think a suicide bomber in Kabul or the skies over Kiev. But light and the Messiah, this mountaintop, just stunning, mysterious. Can you lean in and hear Peter, James, and John? Can you hear them muttering amongst themselves? Just when I thought I knew what this guy was all about, just when I thought I knew Jesus, God among us, friend to saint and sinner alike, savior of the lost, champion of the vulnerable, wise teacher, rabbi, just when I thought I knew who Jesus was, here he goes and pulls this Obi-Wan, Dumbledore, Glenda the Good Witch thing on us. It, it, it's so out of the realm of reason that you can almost see the disciples reaching back into the past to latch on to something, anything that's familiar. They continue, we don't know what you're doing, Jesus. But we recognize Elijah and Moses. When they show up, it's big. Seems like we're supposed to do something important right about now. Let's make an offering. Let, let's build an altar. Let's erect an, a memorial. That's what we've always done in times like these. Do you? Maybe not so different. Maybe you've been coming to church sort of tentatively in these days, the end where we pray of the pandemic. Maybe you're here for the very first time since the onset of the pandemic and something stirs inside of you and around you. You find yourself face to face with the living God in the sacrament, in community, in the, the beauty of the assembly. But something about this light is unfamiliar. You, you think, you think you know who God is. You think you know who you are, but all in all, this moment makes you uneasy. 
then the hands of God begin to touch and mold and shape and renew your heart. The light of his countenance begins to pierce the darkness of your soul. It's awe-inspiring, confusing, renewing, and fearful all at once. The disciples try to make sense of the light, and they wrap it with tradition. That is, they, they go and to seek to build a booth. That same impulse pulls forward to today. You, you might dress up, for example, next Sunday to come back in hopes of making sense of it all. You, you might put a tithe in the alms basin or a gift in the hand of the nearest contributor vendor or pay forward the needy's rent. You might start singing or praying or stretching out your hands in praise or, or, or asking about how you might become a member of this church. You look for anything that's familiar, anything that could help you make sense of it all. In the text, God is understandably troubled by the disciples' inability to take in the mountaintop event. And on a dime, he drops a cloud on Peter and his companions while they're still debating what color shingle would best suit their new tiny house. But God says, leave it. He says, leave it. Just let your hearts and minds be open to this new thing. This is my son. Listen to him. But they don't. And we don't. They're stubborn. And we're stubborn, confused, and afraid. In one gospel, the disciples seem to act according to cliché. They, they drop to their knees and they, they fall with their faces to the ground. But Jesus responds to that action by saying, Get up. Don't, don't be afraid of me. Be in wonder. Be in awe. And oh, by the way, don't say anything about this to anyone. No, no chest thumping about having come near the presence of God. You think you know me? You think you know what the way is all about? Wait until after the resurrection, because there I'm going to show you a new thing. Following me, he says, will be unlike anything you've ever done or thought of before. You won't need booths. You won't need Sunday go to meet in attire. Church membership will be a bureaucratic detail because, you see, I'm going to ask you to take up my cross. I'm going to ask you to take up my cross and die. going to ask you to take up my cross and die to everyone and everything around you. I'm going to make all things new. I'm going to show you a world where there'll be no more tears, no more betrayal, no more hunger, no more loneliness, no more disease, no more war. Only the abundant life. So open your hearts and minds, and set them on God and this inbreaking kingdom. However you thought God would come to you, a still, small voice, tongues of fire, the expanse of nature, the birth of a child, 
These may offer hints, but they are most assuredly not where you will meet him. For God always stretches the preconceived notions of how we ought to act. It's in the changed and changing heart. It's in the bloodied Messiah. It's in the encounter with the immortal one who dies and then is raised from the dead. It's in the luminescence of the transfiguration that sets on fire the full longing of your heart for the new creation. Have you seen the light of the world? Have you heard the Father's doting directive? It's having the soul that cherishes the Son's suffering that will finally lead you home. So open your heart today. Be ready to listen, ready to receive, ready to act. The long-awaited Messiah has come, and, and not as you expected, but in a fire on a mountaintop, as I am once came in the burning bush. Give yourself mind, body, and soul to the Messiah, for he will make you, he will make all things new. This is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. Amen.